Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hello, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Bulat, and today I'm excited because I have Julia Movazian and Michael Rothman, um, two gurus of premium finance from SCA. They've joined us today to talk about premium finance um, in the world that we're in. And I also am joined by Abby Lart, who is a Senior Vice President at Lennox, and Jessica Jung, who is president with Vast Wealth. Um, Abby's part of Lennox and Jessica is a new partners member firm. So they're here to talk about some cases that they did last year with Julian and Michael. Um, so if we want to jump right into it, Julian, we've heard a lot from the industry that last year was a particularly good year for premium financing. And I know you guys have been doing this a long time, but what unique about 2021 made it such a good fit for premium finance? Well, what made 2021 a record year for us, one, most of our affluent clients and, of course, the advisors that we work with, they were concerned about, obviously, the state taxes, what's happening with the income taxes. Some states are raising the rates and so forth. So that, based on what what was happening, uh, the requests that were coming in for some very large, I mean, we've seen over the years, clients buying five, 10, 20 million, but the requests that were coming in in 2021, almost doubled the numbers. Having said that, obviously, uh, based on our experience with succession capital doing this for 26 years, we have the advantage in the industry because of our loan rates and the terms that we get from the lenders, since we manage now over uh, 5 billion of premium loans we have. So we do have the advantage and even clients, when they ask us, we can go to our own banks, their own banks can even match our loan terms. So that gave us a really huge advantage in 2021. So based on that, Mike, did I miss anything? I think, I think that is absolutely true. I think what we also saw, I think in premium financing, Kristen, is some, what I would call sort of a flight to quality with the carriers. They're really looking for the right kind of business. And for a while they weren't getting the right kind of business. And we saw carriers shut down premium financing for a period of time. Uh, And what I think has come out of that as we go into 2022 is carriers are saying that, look, we want to be committed to the premium financing business long-term, but we want the right kind of premium financing business. And one of the things that they've realized is the only way to make sure we're getting the right kind is to limit the distribution and to change some of the parameters. To some people that might be a negative for us, we think that's a huge positive. And so Julian, uh, I joined Julian over 20 years ago. He's been doing this 26 years. We have such a great track record that that really, I think, came into play last year as that flight to quality started to happen. One more comment, uh, Kristen, which is we went through the cycle in early 2000. Then we went through the cycle again in 08. All right. So we stood the test of times, obviously, over the years, even though rates uh, before 08, it was high. We were still running very strong. Obviously, after 08, rates came down. And now what we're going to see rates going up again. And and that's what's going to separate us from everybody else, in my opinion. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, 
it was financially a really good time to do premium finance and with the possibility of tax law changes, I think really pushed people to consider the long-term planning that they're doing. But we're still in a remote environment. So how have the two of you seen sort of Zoom selling and virtual calls like we're doing now impact your ability to connect with clients and advisors and do a lot of the volume that you do? Well, it's been the biggest blessing in our business is the Zoom go to meetings of the world teams. We've been doing those meetings since 2010, Kristen. So it's been t- almost 12 years now. So we were pre-pandemic. <laughs> now the whole world's doing it. We have sold billions of dollars over Zoom. And quite frankly, we couldn't do what we're doing without it because you, you know we can't be in all places at once physically, but virtually we can. And we've always leveraged our relationships with advisors like Abby and Jessica, which you're going to hear from, who are in those different places around the country. With that being said, when we did it in 2010, in a lot of ways, it was much more difficult because 80% of people never use Zoom or go to meeting and things like that. And so it was a lot of just trying to figure out how to get people to click into the call or they didn't have a microphone or they didn't have a, a camera. Today, I think the advantage is everybody knows how to use Zoom, probably knows how to use it more than they would like to, which I think that's a positive. The negative is I do think people have sort of the Zoom fatigue, as they call it, right? Where it's just like one meeting after the next. So I think as one of the challenges we all face is how do we make it feel like a real meeting, like a real sales meeting and differentiated from the 10 other Zooms they have that day. So in 12 years of doing this, I'll, I'll kind of give you what I think are some of the key things that I've taken that matter, or at least from my perspective. One thing is I think dressing accordingly. Uh, no one can see us on the screen now, but I'm always in a jacket, suit, some sort of, you know, outfit of that that kind. I will say that through the course of a day, I might be the only one. <laughs> you know, hopefully the advisors I'm working with are as well. But I think that's okay because, again, if you're going to differentiate yourself, one of the ways you can do that is to dress appropriately like you would in an in-person meeting. I think having a T-shirt in a meeting, you wouldn't do that in person. I don't know why you would do that on Zoom. So I think that's something that I've always felt is important. And then I think if this is our craft, you have to invest. And so I have a light in every area that I have Zoom, like a really good light. So I make sure that the lighting in the room and the lighting that I have in the background is really good. I am a big fan of real backgrounds. I know you can use virtual backgrounds. I'm a big fan of real backgrounds. I think uh, you can't see this on the podcast, but in the current background I have, you can see a view of kind of our you know landscape. It opens up a conversation. People say, where where are you? The weather looks nice or the weather doesn't look nice, wherever you happen to be. And it just it's a great way to start a conversation on Zoom. So I think that's an important thing as well. And it also creates a certain feeling for the client of comfort. Um, obviously, if you're going to set up the meeting, I, I definitely think it's important that you make sure your client's at a computer. Never had a successful meeting where a client calls in from the road or you know on their iPhone. So I think that's a little bit of pre-planning people need to do. Now, one thing that's critical as well. And I got actually this idea like two years ago from in a roundabout way from Ken Samuelson, an NFP member, which is this idea of crisp, which if you're not using it, it you know, it's, it's the easiest hundred dollars you'll ever spend, which blocks out all background noise. So especially if you're working from home, you know, and you got your dog barking in the background or your kid screaming or whatever, it blocks all of that out. So you don't have to worry about it because there's nothing less professional than, than that. We all kind of dread that. Um, I have a professional microphone. I learned that lesson on a podcast I did where I didn't have one and the audio didn't come through properly. So I think you have to invest in that. The camera, 
again, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to upgrade your computer camera. Um, and then I think the last thing would be when you're sharing your screen, especially for myself, because I'm always sharing my screen to show numbers, make sure that the numbers are in a format that is conducive to Zoom or go to meeting or whatever platform you're using. I think PowerPoint is better than PDF for sharing your screen. But whatever you're doing, if the client can't see the numbers or it's not visually effective, um, then, then I think it's not going to work. And one last point I want to make, I'm sorry as well, that I think is helpful. The big advantage of doing it on Zoom is you can easily grab files and, and, and show things seamlessly. And the client doesn't even know that you didn't have that prepared. So one other point I would always make is that make sure that you utilize that to your advantage and have your files stored in a way that if, you know, the things that you might want to bring up as they come up, you have them readily available. So you can easily grab them and the client thinks you already had thought of that before you even, uh, before it even came up. Okay. Those are wonderful top, um, sorry, wonderful tips on doing Zoom and virtual meetings. It's nice to know that you guys are the OG of virtual meetings and can share all of your expertise. And Abby, you had the you know, fortune of taking advantage of using them remote because you're out in New York and Julian and Michael are in California. So last year you closed, was it Lennox's largest case? Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a Thank really you. great honor to hold. Look forward to what this year brings for you, huh? I already have two cases with uh, with Michael uh, premium financing cases already in underwriting. So um, that's wonderful. This year's it's going to be great. Um, yeah, I'd I'd like to add um, with what Michael was saying with regard to the Zoom, um, especially for all the um, parents that are taking care of children, uh, because sometimes it becomes um, harder to um, see people in person. So there was, you know, in my career, I know that I set up a lot of telephone calls with my clients all over the country. I have clients in Texas. I have clients in New Jersey, Connecticut, New York. And, you know, you can't be in all places at the same time. Right. So it was, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, um, my business took off like nobody's like it, it was unbelievable because I was able to actually see people that I haven't seen in a long time and to no fault of anybody's just, it was just location. And it was just, you know, I was, I was raising children at the same time and I was doing the business at the same time, but the zoom created a space for me to actually see people. And when you see people, it's completely different than being over the phone. So it raised the bar for my entire practice to be able able to um, combine being, uh, you know, a successful businesswoman, but not only that, a successful mom and wife and friend and all those other things that we do, right? We wear a lot of hats. So I think the Zoom really added to that. Um, and, and in terms of your direct question with regard to this case, um, if you'd like me to dive right into how I met and, and continued and fostered that relationship, but 20 years ago, uh, it was about yeah, 20, yeah, about 20 years ago, Lennox um, had their first multi-life case. And I was assigned folks in Texas because my, my parents had moved out there. So I met um, uh, a guy in investment banking. He was just a senior vice president. And I sold him a disability policy and a GVL policy. It was not a lot. Um, and throughout the course of the years, I had always serviced him. And um, he had... Um, risen in 
in his um, in his in his profession and moved to New York. And it was a lot easier for us to see each other. But long story short, he got to a point in his career where the GVL really didn't make a lot of sense. It wasn't very meaningful for him. So I was a little nervous about going in there by myself. And I, I brought in some senior folks and every time I brought somebody in, it, it, it just the, 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 I don't know, it was some connection that didn't happen that I had lost. And so the last time I, I'd seen him with a senior producer, that senior producer said to me, you do not need anybody. Just go right in there and do your thing. He likes you. So I did. And I went in and I showed him, um, look, this isn't really meaningful, but you could do this um, 10 pay product. And I, and, um, and he bought $10 million of a 10 pay and, and 10 years went by like that. And so every year I had called him and said, look how wonderful this policy looks. Look how the cash values are increasing. This is you know, not touched by any market downturns. And I just fostered that relationship over the course of the years. So then when um, Michael Rothman came to one of our senior study groups at Lennox Advisors to talk about premium financing, I thought, well, well, that's a great idea. And so I just thought about all the people that had these policies, these legacy policies that were paid up or they were um, they were involved with. And uh, I had called my client. And I said, you know, um, I think there's something more meaningful about the success that you've had and these policies. There's something about the significance of your life. And what do you want to do? Like. And so um, I said, I think I have this idea and um, I just need, you know, another phone call. And that second phone call, I brought Michael in and we went over the numbers and it was literally a no brainer. He was just like, yeah, let's do this. And it was, we started out with $25 million of insurance. And then throughout the course of the financial underwriting, um, he, he, I found out that his net worth was twice as what his goal was, you know, 20 years ago when we spoke. In fact, um, 2008 um, was when I sold him the ten, the, big, the big 10 pays. Uh, and I remember him saying to me, because he was really, he'd lost a lot of his net worth uh, in that, in that whole scenario, in that, in that whole debacle. And, um, and I said, well, what, what's your number that you want to get to in terms of net worth? He said, a hundred million. So when we were going through, fast forward, when we we're going through the financials and I looked at the numbers, they were twice that, what his net worth was. And so I just, I picked up the phone I and through Zoom and I said, um, you know, um, you really hit the jackpot here because you're, you just doubled your goal. Congratulations. And uh, I don't know why we're only applying for 25 million. You could get 50. He said, well, yeah, if the whole process doesn't change and I don't need to get re-examined and I don't have to do this, then that's a no-brainer. And so literally within five minutes, we had just doubled the amount of insurance he was getting. So that was the history on that. Were there any, was there any challenges that came out of getting the case done or you know, unexpected hurdles? And how did working with Mike will help you kind of get over those hurdles? Oh, yeah. Um, 
you know, he, he's the kind of gentleman who um, I had to go through his assistant for everything. And his assistant was not human, uh, meaning I don't think she had human feelings. And um, she was really, really difficult. Um, but in the in the end, it was the right thing for his family. And that was the story. And we stuck to it. Um, there were moments there that I didn't think that this was going to go down at all. Um, the underwriting, the timing, the ego, um, the personalities, the entitlement. Um, I mean, you name it. But anytime there was, and and this was my first rodeo with 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 premium financing. So there was some language that I wasn't aware of, or there was some concepts that I didn't understand. And Michael, the minute I don't, I know how busy he is, but the minute I would email him, text him, whatever to get information from him, immediately he would get back to me and he would explain something to me so that I sounded intelligent. And I knew when I needed him to get back on the phone. And he he's so smart and he thinks so quickly that um, it was just, it was just so easy to work with him. He had no ego whatsoever. He just, it was just like, you know, your client best, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, but the biggest thing that I that that I needed to remember throughout this whole thing was um, if I could be anything in this world, I needed to be kind. The second thing was that everyone puts on their pants the same way that I put on mine. And the third was that I will not be remembered generations to come with this family. Right. But the impact that I have on his family's lives are in perpetuity. So that's that's where my head stayed the entire time. And having the backing of Succession Capital and, and, and the backing of Lennox Advisors and their process and their support, there's no way on the face of this planet this case could have crossed the finish line without all of those people in place. Those are wonderful takeaways from this case and from you know the power of working with SCA to do these types of cases. So thank you for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, And Michael, do you have anything you want to add to that before we jump into Jessica's story and hear about the case she did? Very quickly. And first of all, Abby, thank you very much. You did a great job, I think, summarizing everything and appreciate the kind words. And she did say, as far as getting back to her quickly, I did want to comment on that because I'm extremely busy. Julian's extremely busy, but in these high stakes, big cases, in my opinion, I think Julian definitely, I'll speak for him agrees. You have to get back to people in like two seconds. So, you know, we know how to prioritize and um, it's extremely important in these cases. And so one of the things you can expect from us, if we're working on a large case, you know, you're not, we're not going to get back to you in an hour, probably, probably it's going to be in a, in a minute or five minutes, because we know that it's the biggest case for Abby. She doesn't want to sit and have, you know, wait around for us to get back to her. And she does need to, like she said, look good in front of her client that she has the right answer. So I, did, I think that was a great point she made that we think is extremely important in these large cases. One comment, uh, Kristen, one comment I want to make to add to what Mike just said, even though we're extremely busy. So if Abby or 
or Jessica or whoever, if they send us an important email, even if Mike misses the email or I miss the email, we have other team members monitoring our emails right away. And they will walk into our office. They go, did you reply to Jessica? Did you reply to Abby right away? They need this answer right away. So that's been our, as you know, you've known me for years. That's been our operation Mm -hmm. policy for years. Yeah. Yes. You both have that reputation in the industry, so it's well-deserved, I know. So, Jessica, thank you for joining us. You joined Partners at the end of last year, right? And Or the end of 20, you were with us. No, it was the beginning. January of last year, yes. I'm sort of gets all fluid and melded together these days, doesn't it? (laughs) And you had um, a pretty substantial IUL case that you did with Julian and Michael last year, right? That's correct. Yes. Can it talk to us about that one and, you know, what made premium financing the right fit for that client? Sure. So this was an introduction from a mutual friend. And this is a lady that when I met her, she had, you know, 13 million in investable assets. 98% was in stocks. Um, Just lost her husband, you know, within, I think it was like five months when I met her and just had a lot of planning issues. So, you know, so we focused on her allocation first because there's a lot of risk there. And I introduced the idea of using insurance as an asset class. So we discussed IUL and she learned all about it and became comfortable with it before I introduced the concept of using leverage. And she's a you know, very sophisticated investor, understands it, didn't have any debt, but appreciated using the bank's money set up her own. We could have liquidated some of her stocks to pay the premiums, but the I mean, there's tax consequences and it was better just to be able to pledge it. So she loved the idea. So then we became, I think it became about the design and I ran a financial plan for her and then solved for the amount that we need in tax-free income. So, but back to the IUL, you know, she loved the idea that we can eliminate market risk using the floors and then, you know, be able to bump up the income using the leverage. So Julian and his team designed, made several designs. And um, I mean, we had, there was a lot of hurdles for this case that we were able to overcome, but it took about six months to place it. So initially there were underwriting issues for some health issues that I didn't think were a big deal, but so we, we went informal with multiple carriers and she actually detoxed for three months to get her blood work clean. So she worked with a doctor out in California where she lives. And uh, at, so it took, I think, three to four months. And then at the end of it, you know, we were able to get her the, um, the rate class that we wanted. And, but we were also, we, we were um, bumping up against retention limits as well. So we had to lower her death benefit from 25 million to 20 million. And we were overfunding. This was like max funding these policies. So I met the head underwriter at one of the major insurance companies through Julian and was able to tell the story to her, which is so much different than reading it on paper or you know, just reading it like through the, the case notes. So being able to tell the story, we're able to actually work with them and able to get this case placed. So 
The other challenges were, you know, was finding the right attorney to get the, you know, set up the IGIT that owns a policy. Um, we also had some issues with um, some trust or estate administration because, you know, sure, all of the assets were in a family trust, but by way of the trust document, it had to be split between a bypass trust and the, the survivorship trust. And we got all that worked out, but at the very end, when we thought we were ready to fund, her estate attorney decided that she didn't want to sign a letter that the, the lender required, you know, just verifying the relationships between all the trusts. So I don't know how Julian did it, but he made some calls. And within three days, we had a letter from an attorney that was able to read all the documents and then supply just a simple letter, but she refused to do it. We had to end up firing this attorney. So we were no longer working with her and we had to, we're looking for a new one to do the rest, but we were able to close it. That's, that's great. It's wonderful to hear how Julian and his team helped you move the case forward and overcome the challenges that you were facing. Are there any takeaways from this case that you're going to bring into the next time you do premium financing with Julian? I mean, I just know that I can count on him and his team <laughs> with the design. And he did teach me a couple of tactics on how to position things to get the client interested, which 100% worked, um, such as only offering a portion and saying that we need to get approval for the lender, even though she qualified for the maximum amount. But to create that idea of scarcity and once, you know, and I didn't badger her about this. We were working on many other things, but she ended up prompting me three or four times. Where are we on this case? Like, you know, did I get approved? Can I get the maximum? So because I created that desire with, over uh, the month and you know, when she was reaching out to me, I think that also was very helpful in uh -huh. losing the larger amount instead of just, you know, a fraction. Right. That's a great technique. I'm sure you'll use that one in a lot of different places. <laughs> yes, I plan to. Well, thank you for talking to us about the case today. Um, Julian and Michael, in our last sort of minute or two, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, Julian, but Ellie, you have the last word, obviously. I, I just want to say quickly, um, we didn't talk much about interest rates. Interest rates have risen a bit and they're going to probably rise a bit more. And I think one of the things that we have seen is uh, we get a lot of advisors asking the question, is, is this going to mean that we're going to do less premium financing or clients are going to buy less life insurance or it's going to be harder to sell premium financing? And I just wanted to comment, Kristen, that I, I do believe that the answer is a resounding no. Uh, you do, as I said at the beginning, there has to be a flight to quality and how it's positioned and presented to deal with this. This is not just a simple answer. And so uh, what I can tell you is uh, I can speak for myself. I, I've spent more time probably talking about interest rates than I might have a year ago when it wasn't quite as much on everybody's mind. But if it's handled properly and if anybody wants to discuss that, they can reach out to us. But if it's handled properly, uh, I do believe that there's almost no scenario where you can't overcome a client to continue to move forward um, for all the reasons that we've been talking about, because at the end of the day, Life insurance needs are greater than ever for high net worth individuals. Their estates are growing more quickly than ever. They need the insurance and premium financing, whether rates are at one and a half or two and a half or three percent or four percent, still makes a ton of sense. So I do want everyone out there to, to really feel confident in that. And I will say 
even though 2021 was one of our best years in 26 years, 2022 is already off to the best start we've ever had by a long shot. So we have not seen it slow down at all. Um, so I think that hopefully gives people confidence that with the interest rates rising, with carriers, as I said, sort of reducing the amount of business they're willing to take or, or shrinking the parameters, we have not seen that impact what we do. Well, thank you for the insight into interest rates. I was hoping we would get to that. I know that's a question we've gotten a lot, so we appreciate that. Julian, how about you? What would you like to close out the podcast for us? Well, one, one thing that we always explain to clients, which is premium financing, it is very flexible. All right. So having said that, when I explain to clients, that doesn't mean you're going to borrow a million dollar this year. You need to borrow another million dollar next year. So the, that gives a client a peace of mind. All right. Having said that, obviously, yes, clients are concerned today regarding rising interest rates, markets. It's not doing well and all that. So as Mike said, once you explain it right and you position the policy or the design the right way, I don't think you will have a problem closing any cases. And again, as Mike said, 2022, we're starting it with a bank and our inventory, it's, it's huge. And especially with, uh, again, this I'm not advertising here, but I know in March we're doing a conference at the Four Seasons, Mike, in Vegas. Yes. And then we're doing another one in May at the Four Seasons. And we already have a waiting list, Kristen. And then we're only limiting it to 110 advisors. And there is a waiting list already that advisors want to come into our conference. So anyway, that's that's it. <laughs> Wonderful. That's a great way to close it out. I'm glad to hear you guys are both off to a great year. And Abby and Jessica, I hope you also have wonderful years and all of our listeners. Let's make 2022 even better than 2021. So thank you all for your participation today. I really appreciate it.